Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to determine what is the single greatest movie of any given year. We just wrapped up our 1991 season and we're about to enter our 1982 season. With me to celebrate that is Mike. Mike, are you excited for this shit? Yeah, I love the chronological order we go on here on the season's move of the year. What makes the most logical sense after 91? 82, baby. 82, you got to, right? 82, uh, you got to. That's what they uh, say. And how we'll get to this in the real season. This is just like a special preview show. But what? Uh, how old were you? I was negative in my dad's balls. Four. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That makes me feel better. Um, the reason why we are doing this special preview show is because um, of the 64 movies that are entering the bracket, 14 of them are horror movies. And Oh, that's why Greg's not here. That's why Greg isn't here, because he can't even hear people discuss horror movies. Uh, he's going to have to read the Wikipedia about this episode later tomorrow. <laughs> um, but, Mike, I figured that as our resident horror expert, that you would have what it takes to sort of go through these horror movies and preview them. Uh, so, when it's me, you, and Greg, sure. But I got to tell you, Ryan, with, for 1982, with, what did you say, 16 fucking horror movies? I feel like we should bring in actual, maybe, experts. When you I were... watched Scream once, all right? <laughs> That's what qualifies for you as an expert on this show. But why don't we call in a couple of our friends? From Los Angeles, California, the former host of the Superhero Show Show, the current host of Have a Nice Tay, it's Taylor Wilfright! Ooh, spooky, scary. I'm sorry, Greg, if you've, if you've heard that even through the ether and you're crying, I'm very sorry. I'm, like, I'm, I'm just thinking about him knowing about this show happening and like cuddling underneath a, a blanket, and I feel bad. <laughs> it's Yeah, I mean, he is pissing his pants currently because you just did that. And he doesn't know why. <laughs> just, Mike, would you say that Taylor is enough of an expert to help us on this journey? I think if they, we were talking about like four horror movies... <laughs> in the yeah. bracket, sure. Taylor would be fine. Four horror <clears throat> movies, and they're all the dumbest ones. Yeah, yeah they're they, all. They all have 19. part six in their title. Uh, but no, I think again, we need a le- legitimate professional for this. From Los Angeles, California, the horror queen of the internet, the co-host <laughs> of Austerian, a movie about millennial horror movies. We're gonna have to go back way in time for this. It is Jordan. Boo! Chiola! <laughs> there. I was wondering what shape that was going to take. And I can't believe, I can't believe you didn't say the botcast since I've been on your pod to talk about the botcast. Yeah, have I been on that show though? No, you haven't. And I'm and not you know talking what? about it. I'm not talking it's about it. It's a real twist that I I that I'm podcasting with you, Taylor, on this before you do join us on the episode of the podcast that we're going to do. Yeah, today. a little sneak preview of, of another <laughs> podcast that I will also be on. here first. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys know what? Yeah, this is cross-pollination. You guys know what movie came out in 1982? Blade Runner? It's Blade Runner. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about Blade Runner. Why um, not? T- <laughs> 
Taylor and Jordan, the first thing I want to ask you guys about is the just the amount. Before we get into the specifics, the amount of fucking horror movies that are on this list in 1982. It's I so know, many. I know logically why that is. It's it basically like video stores start to open. We need content. These mm-hmm. are cheap. Let's get VHS tapes out there. But that's a boring answer. What mm. is it about the early 80s where we had this fucking huge boom? Well, I mean, horror isn't a boom in the early 1980s. It's it's you're you have the burgeoning VOD market that's going to start hitting like at this time, but like really in earnest around the end of the decade. But you have the four horsemen of the apocalypse who have reinvented the genre, creating what we essentially know as modern horror now with Wes Craven, Toe Booper, John Carpenter, George A. Romero. And you have that starting in like 1974 with Last House on the Left, Texas Chainsaw Massacre continuing on with Halloween in 1979. And by that time, you have yourself a whole goddamn industry. And into the mid 80s, we'll get kind of kick it up in the slasher, you know, movement again with Nightmare on Elm Street. And obviously, Sleepaway Camp's in there. And da 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 da. What is the jason movies friday the 13th friday the 13th in there so horror is an honest to god industry now and it is a mass production industry getting getting to be a mass production industry industry at this point in time yeah and to add on to that like i think yes specifically for everything that jordan said obviously i was absolutely also going to say uh but i think (laughs) specifically the amount you've been going to movie night longer than me taylor you could say all of this i'm sure But I also think, like, the percentage of horror movies that make up in, like, the early 80s specifically is going to be a result of, as Jordan said, the horror the horror boom itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, like, the specific, like, other things hadn't quite cropped up yet. Like, the late 80s, like, big, dumb action movies hadn't quite come up yet. <laughs> and th- we also didn't quite have, you know, like, four to five, like, critically acclaimed Japanese animated movies every year yet. <laughs> So it's like still like in the in the period where they're like, this is what we've got, baby. So we're just gonna like like I think of the movies of 1982, that's gonna be like a huge bulk of them. And I think too, it's a very what, what we find with the reinvention of the genre through things like Halloween and um, Friday the Thirteenth is that you horror has always been a genre of remix and like taking the sort of same foundational conceits and then working around them with sort of different window dressing, different villains. Um, And I think what you have in the movies that were being done very lo-fi and creating these sort of new archetypes of horror cinema, Last House, Halloween, et cetera, et cetera, you're creating a blueprint that is extremely replicable. It is extreme. You can create an entire housing development of horror with the same four floor plans. This is the Taco Bell menu of food. This is the same few ingredients wrapped different ways, and it can be done on the cheap, and it's extremely effective. So, yeah. and it puts you know, and it's it's a it's a communal kind of cinema that is is unlike kind of any other. It's it's fun to get people in a theater for it, but then it's fun to go rent that, bring it home, and then watch it with your friends. Maybe your family, if it's a bold family. But yeah, I think you have something that's really scalable in terms of just volume of production on the cheap. And right. I think that a lot of non-horror fans don't understand this part that you said, Jordan, but the the Xerox ability about it is... Oh, God. ...is a feature, not a bug. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of my favorite things about horror. Straight up one of my favorite things about horror. I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's all about, like, what did you do with the wallpaper? Yeah. Ryan. In, in the house, yeah. Yeah, Mike. I'm, I'm really glad. I would have said... The 80s, cocaine and Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really glad we brought Jordan and Taylor on. 
I mean, Cocaine and Reagan is a huge part of the horror movement in the 1980s, so you would not have been yes. wrong about that. And a huge part of me and Mike's friendship, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, can you... Now, we when we did 85, we had a season, like a bonus season, dedicated to the horror of 85, because there was a ton there. Um, Taylor was on that show. He admirably came in and did Nightmare on Elm Street 2 when Sam Wyman said... I am never going to fucking talk about that movie again. Uh, <laughs> so, and was he was the, right to fucking say it. Which movie? Christ. Was it that one or was it a Friday the 13th that was all about a toilet? You guys talked about a toilet scene more than anything else in that toilet episode. Toilet scene? I don't remember. Uh, I know I know. Amityville, It's About Time has a bunch of toilets on the side of the street. So that might be it. <laughs> if you guys <laughs> talked about that movie at some point for some reason. The best Amityville. Yeah. Uh, Sam on that season came in and talked about Fright Night and taught us that it is just as queer, if not more, than Nightmare 2. So, uh, Yeah, Nightmare 2 is queer horror for straight people, as I'm, sh- I'm sure Sam Weinman has could have said on this podcast and would say again. Mike, uh, our reputation, besides that 85 bonus season, is <laughs> have we, do we have any horror movies uh, I'm thinking of like Jaws and Adam's Family. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was pretty spooky. Great stuff. No, think, uh, no. Yeah, like a top eight movie. Uh, I mean, depending on what what horrifies you, but I think the dissolution of marriage and aspiring to be <laughs> the best you can be. So I think our very first movie of the year, 1999's Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, Family <laughs> Romp, uh, was pretty horrifying. Yeah, I can. See eyes that. wide shut. I remembered it the whole time. Assume, I, was say, I wasn't trying to build up. Shut I wasn't trying to remember it? the name. <laughs> um, we. Uh, I don't know if this is going to surprise you guys, but uh, I would say that we have two horror movies that we're not going to spend a lot of time on that are locks in our top eight. Because 1982 okay. gave us the thing in Poltergeist. Oh hell's yeah! I don't know how we get out of 1982 with talking about those major ones. Real quickly, mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna hear all about Mike's thoughts about those two movies later. But uh, Jordan and Taylor, where do those stand in your guys's own echelon? Uh, can I admit that I've never actually seen the Poltergeist all the way through? Okay. I yeah. Good for you. I've, yeah, I've, Good for you. I've never seen it all the way through. I've seen bits of it when it would play on like. TMC in the middle of the afternoon for no reason. Yeah. Um, uh, Wait, but, are little kids home alone right now? Let's put on Poltergeist. Let's make them watch yeah. it. It was like that or Dragon Ball Z were my options to watch. And I was like, <laughs> I've already seen this episode. Piccolo gets his arm t- torn off. Let's check out what's happening over there. So I've I've seen I've seen the the exorcism bit. So I know enough about the Poltergeist um, to to know like oh, all right, yeah, yeah. I can one up you, Taylor. I've never seen the thing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you are missing out on that one. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I have, I have a very, I have a very steadfast policy to not, to not. You haven't seen that. <laughs> Fuck you. If that's your response to like anything, if somebody tells me they haven't seen Jennifer's body, like yeah. what I consider, like my life exists before and after that movie. Okay, then you didn't fucking see that movie. People arrange their time differently. They have different value systems. Um, anytime I have a conversation with Margot about a movie that she hasn't seen. I try to just be very like, well, how exciting that you get to watch that movie at some point. See, because I remember how glad I was when I did. So, like, great. You know who's watching the thing? Fucking pl- plenty of people. Yeah. Tons of people. Nobody needs to be told they need to watch the thing. They know it. They'll get to it when they get to it. Yeah. So I, I, I will the, uh, advertise, if you haven't played the, the thing board game, a fantastic board game as well. <laughs> so maybe that'll be a bonus episode. Yeah. Cross-promotion. Oh, yeah. Let's record my, my us input. playing a board game. 
my input on uh, the thing in Poltergeist is, is they're obviously great movies. Uh, Poltergeist was absolutely a formative, uh, frightening movie for me when I was growing up, but not necessarily because of the Poltergeist themselves, but because Carol Ann, to me, is terrifying. Yeah, she's, the, she's scary. That yeah. little girl who gave wonderful performances in each of the Poltergeist films that she was in, she died very young, tragically. Um, she was an excellent little actress, and she scared me more than anything in those Poltergeist movies. Obviously, The Clown was a big deal for me. Um, I John Carpenter's The Thing is amazing. Kurt Russell's Incredible. super hot in it. And but for me, the top the top Carpenter movie uh, of all time is Big Trouble in Little China. And so for me, the thing exists in the shadow of <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China. I'm so excited for the Poltergeist show. I am assuming that there will be one um, because somebody had the idea of let's get the director of E.T. and the director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre together and let's see what happens. I'm throwing coach. <laughs> yeah. And Nelson. Nelson. Uh, the T stands for I think coach. That's, a, that's an interesting thing about Spielberg and the way that his streams have crossed other filmmakers over the years in like that same way that um, Martin Scorsese ultimately ended up making the remake of Cape Fear, but that was originally supposed to be Steven Spielberg. And Martin Scorsese was originally supposed to make Schindler's List. <laughs> and the two of them were like, this isn't right. <laughs> and so each of them ended up making the movies that they were certainly most appropriately um built to make but he yeah the 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 crossover of steven spielberg and some of the most harrowing titles of the 80s and 90s fun facts if we go chalk which means if our top eight movies all put in the bracket by letterbox um Mm -hmm. make it then so poltergeist is in the thing is in but then also so I, i don't even know where to begin here um i have not seen this movie um, but correct me if I'm wrong, that John Carpenter's Halloween was supposed to be an anthology series. Yes. Michael Myers yeah. blew up so hard that they were like, well, let's put him in the sequel. And then for the third one, they said, let's get back to the anthology thing. Taylor, what the fuck is Halloween 3 season of the Witch? Oh, baby. Four more days Besides till Halloween. Besides maybe the other best Halloween. <laughs> it's so good because you don't have like a... a, a just a oh he's a big dude and he's got a knife and a mask uh no this one's all about like <laughs> like weird like irish people who have decided to be Ew. witches that is uh, scary they're they're like turning people into bugs a woman is like going to vi- like to her father's funeral she packed lingerie for some reason and it comes in <laughs> yeah. handy it's it's it so the whole thing is you, just about you like you never know when you're gonna meet tom adkins yeah the whole the whole movie is just like how do we figure out what's going on with these weird Halloween masks? A question that like <laughs> yeah. n- a, no one cares about, but it's it's so much more fun and like yeah. legitimately creepy. And I I like I think that Halloween three is the best of the Halloween movies, but I don't like the Halloween movies. <laughs> you know what I would so much rather have seen than Evil Dies Tonight. And you know what I give so much more of a shit about than Tommy coming back to the Halloween franchise? Is what's going on with these masks. Yes. This is just like, this is is Halloween as a Twilight Zone episode. A really good Twilight Zone episode. The high point of Halloween Kills when we watched it was they have a throwaway (laughs) bit where some of the masks from Halloween 3 are put on dead bodies. And I was like, yes, pay homage. (laughs) Pay homage to a good one. Were you a little worried, like bummed that the heroes didn't put on those masks to team up and fight Mike Myers with their powers? I, a little bit, yeah. Th- but that's just you know that's you know my my hardcore podcast pedigree shining through. What it what like what if in the next one 
Michael turns around and there's a little Shamrock logo on the shape mask Fuck. in in the in the last of the last trilogy last of the ending trilogy of the resurrected Halloween franchise. Yeah. And and then he explodes into <laughs> snakes and bugs and shit for no reason. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. I this movie is legendary, but it seemed to me he's sort of legendary in that way that Troll 2 is legendary of like you you won't believe this bullshit. This is insane. It's it's not Troll 2. Like it's not it's not incompetently made. It's just wild. <laughs> it's just wild and I think it, it has a bad reputation because people know the Halloween franchise as this is Michael Myers. And so yeah. if you watch that as Halloween three, right in the right in like the fucking middle of the series, and yeah. it's like Michael Myers isn't here. We're not going to talk about him. Right. We're not going to mention him. It just takes place on th- Halloween, and it's like, yeah, th- I understand why people would be perplexed and be like, "This sucks." Bring back the guy in the William Shatner mask, but they're wrong. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they are, and it's it's a funny thing watching. Like you, you go back in the, the movies that are decades old at this point, and you watch them, and you're like, and I feel the same way about another title that I'm sure we're discussing tonight. Uh, just like, wait, why didn't people like this? Why does this have a bad re- I'm, guys? Do you realize this is like literally every other fucking horror movie that came out in 1982? Like, uh, like where where's the where's the line? Like, sure, there's the thing, and like Poltergeist, which are like. That's an upper echelon of of horror cinema right there. But as far as, like, the mass pack of 1982 horror output, any of the movies, like, on this list that I was considering for review, I was like, none of these are dramatically different or better than the other ones. They're all a good fucking time, and they all look pretty much the same. Like, I just, like, who? Who are these dipshits who are like, (laughs) no, man, this is totally... This one's the bad cheesy Halloween. It's like, I'm sorry, what? Like everything after one is a cheesy Halloween. Like, are you kidding me? I can't. I I, I simply can't stand it. This movie's a hoot. This movie's a kick. I don't know, Mike. So what do you do? It's it's, it's the seventh seed. So I think mm-hmm. that there's definitely been a turnaround. Is, wait, is it really the, the seventh seed? This, wow. Seven sixty four movies in 1982. <laughs> the Halloween yeah, three seventh. seventh? So what do we think? What are, what do you think the odds are of this making it to the elite eight? I say seventh seed. It sounds like it's 1982 seventh seal. It's going in. <laughs> Let's make the eight all horror, Ryan. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm for that. Yeah. It wouldn't be that hard. Like they're available. <laughs> uh, this next one, um, one of my like uh, worries or wonders about horror fans is like, do you guys really know what the numbers mean at the end of titles? Like. Do you really know what Friday the 13th Part 3 is as opposed to 4 as opposed to 2? Let me read you guys before you, you start. This is the uh, uh, description of the movie. This is the plot. An idyllic summer turns into a nightmare of unspeakable terror for yet another group of naive counselors. Whoa, no fucking <laughs> way. Are you shitting me right, right now? Right. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not one of those people who can... I, I'm, I'm not... Anytime, like, the little ranking bug goes yeah. around on, on Twitter among horror people, it's like, this is the ranking. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking I, about. Like, yeah. it, unless it's, unless Jason's going to not Manhattan yeah. or to hell <laughs> or to space, I don't know the I, order. 
Yeah. Uh, like, this is I the original Fast and the Furious yeah. franchise. I remember some of them. Like, I do remember that... Some. It's some. Like, like I do remember that 3 is the one where he gets the hockey mask because he doesn't have the hockey mask in 2. What does he have? Right, okay. He just has, like, a burlap sack. Like, Leonard Nimoy's yeah. mask? <laughs> yeah, he has, he has. He got the other one, and then they swapped. Um, but, yeah, because in the first one, Jason's not actually in it. It's his mom. And then Wrong the second bitch, one, it's Jason's mother again. Yeah. I've seen Scream. Yeah, you've seen Scream. <laughs> um, and then the second one, he has a burlap sack. And then the third one, in like a barn wow. attic, he finds the hockey mask and is and like, "Oh, well, I'll put that on." And then that's it, the thing that everyone knows him for. If if it was like uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife style, where everything is biblical and, and worshipped, is there like gold light and and bip, like angelic tones <laughs> as he reaches towards the hockey mask? Because we all know this is going to be very important from now on. Uh, there's not. It's not not like he's in an attic. <laughs> it's a little dusty. There's like sunbeams like filtering through. Uh, but th- th- that's the only reason that I know roughly which one three is because I remember. Oh, that's the one where he gets the thing. After that, it, as Jordan said, in between that and when he goes to Manhattan or hell, yeah, I don't know His what vacations. any of those are. Like no, you, I, you couldn't or to space if it's if yeah. it's X I, yeah, and I, do space. Know, I do not know where Jason is in six. I do not know where Michael is in six. No. I know where he is in eight, I'm pretty sure, because I love Halloween Resurrections. And I think that's what Resurrection is. I, I don't remember so. what number H2O is, but I like H2O. Like, I know I know them by when they get extra names. I can yeah. associate <laughs> them with things. Like, I know. yeah, I'm good for that. But like, I know Dream Warriors three. is Freddy's three. I yeah. don't know chronologically where Freddy v. Jason falls in the order. I don't even know where the remake falls in the order of how many Friday the 13th, 13th there have been. So To not have a subtitle. I'm not to, pedantic. To yeah. just say part three, that's that's crazy. Like You're putting a lot on your audience to remember. Like, oh, that was in part three and not the Dream Warriors or Goes yeah. to Hell. It's a bullshit thing people do. I yeah. cannot stand it. Tell me that it's Hobbs and Shaw in this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That movie did us the service of just calling itself Hobbs and Shaw. Friday the, 13th, Shaw. Friday the 13th presents part three. Like, why not do that? <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, as long as it's the only one that says presents. So that way I can know it's the one that is presented. Jordan, you mentioned the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. One of them was J. Georgia A. Romero. He did strike in 1982 with, and I'm going to say this about a lot of movies tonight, a cover, a VHS cover that I remember distinctly yeah like big time i remember wandering through these aisles of video stores when i was a kid and putting all i didn't watch any of them i just all of these went into my spank bank for later <laughs> uh creep show yep inspired by the ec comics of the 1950s george a romero did george a romero in 1982 lose a couple miles off of his fastball I think it's as good, I think I, Creepshow is as good as an anthology. I feel like can yeah, be. it's it's an anthology. I, like your mileage may vary, and I I think that's the real takeaway from Creepshow is like I, I it's another one of those that I don't think I've ever like sat down. I was like I'll watch all a Creepshow, but like if <laughs> yeah. if you cut it up into little bits and you put it as like an amuse bouche in front of some other stuff, if Sam great. has put it in Happy Birthday Barbie somewhere, of course, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah, an anthology is. hard hard and especially going if you're competing against the best movies of any given year it's a lot harder to watch an anthology and be like yeah this has a through line that is like (laughs) good enough to compare with the thing like (laughs) now mike have we ever kicked a movie out of the bracket that starred both leslie nielsen and ted danson no those are right up our buttholes 
the cast of Creepshow is unbelievable. And if you like, if I, if you really like, anytime I see an old Leslie Nielsen performance, I am reminded that, oh yeah, Jordan, if you really sat down and thought about it, Leslie Nielsen's probably one of your favorite actors of all fucking time. Because I grew up with spoof Leslie Nielsen. (laughs) I grew up with Naked Gun Leslie Nielsen. I loved those movies. So when I got older and started watching like older Leslie Nielsen titles and realized how good he was at being an absolute sadistic bastard (laughs) in like the day of the animals and something like this, that guy had a range. And it's incredible that he was so good as a doofus in his final act of his career when he was a villain for the ages in like the 70s and the 80s. I love Leslie Nielsen. And then it all came together at the end when he was both dead and loving it. Have you guys Dead and loving be- it. Some art say best performance. Nobody says. Best uh, film. Have you guys seen the clips of <laughs> him film. floating around the internet of him on like talk shows from back in the day where uh the host will be asking a question and he'll just fart and then just like <laughs> Just like shake his head, like no, don't don't mention it. <laughs> like he will sincerely. It's not like with the assist of a of a of a gizmo of some kind. He, he will sincerely fart on air. He may be getting a gizmo assist, but it doesn't sound like that. And the hosts react like it is real as shit. <laughs> Please look up Leslie That's Nielsen farting. <laughs> That's outstanding. Uh, that is outstanding. The anthology always has the problem of. This one was good. This one was bad. These two were fine, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes VH- the original VHS and VHS two, for the most part, really exceptional. Particularly in like the anthologized horror canon, is that like those stand on on their own as like excellent cohesive movies, and you get that like ten percent of the time you have an anthology collection in horror. This next movie. Uh, famously, Sam Weinman is a part of the December anthology, and he will be the first person to tell you. Don't watch December. No. <laughs> there are 26 segments, and it's like two and a half hours long. He's yeah. like, you don't need to put yourself there's, there's like five good ones. <laughs> yeah, you watch Vivian Vaughn's, and you watch Sam Weinman's. My favorite band only tours around October, the Death Decemberists, where they're like <laughs> scary weird owls with Decemberist songs. <laughs> scary weird owls. Jesus Christ. That makes w- mo- normal wheel- weird owls so, so much more benign. Mm-hmm. Normal. Like, he's not a scary Normal man, weird owl. Normal weird owl. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course there's normal al a guy who just <laughs> sings regular the most fucked up of all yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hannibal. this next movie which is pr- it has a pretty high seed uh we are looking at 24 to me probably looks the most like uh, like a 30 rock or like if you were just gonna parody horror movies <laughs> so i don't know if you guys have ever uh heard the tagline close your eyes for a second and sleep forever it's the Slumber Party Massacre. Four scantily clad pajamaed women uh, on the poster with a guy with a giant drill in front of them. What do we know yeah. about this movie? Long tagline. Well, Ryan, I'm glad that you pointed out that it seems like a 30 Rock parody because it was originally written as a parody of horror movies. And then and yeah. then I think very late in the production process, they switched it and were like, we'll just do it like a straight horror movie, but it will be very yeah. funny. And it is very funny. Um, yeah, th- this this movie is written and directed, I'm pretty sure, by they're both lesbians. It is directed by Amy Holden Jones. It's written by Rita Mae Brown, noted feminist, like 
thinker Rita Mae Brown. There is a copy of the book Ruby Fruit Jungle, like on the bedside table in the beginning of the movie. Like this movie is an active commentary piece that got chopped and screwed when whoever gave the money to make it was probably like, we thought it was titties. And then it wasn't. (laughs) So then they made them they they made the movie different than what it was supposed to be. And again, this is this is the one that I referenced before where it's like I do not understand the malign reputation of something like this where you watch it now in 2022 and it's absolutely indistinguishable from other 1982 mass pack horror movies. Again, not the thing, not Poltergeist, not 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 like that. But any of the eight that like I have sitting next to me here that I'm looking at it's like yeah that's what these movies were then like there there is obviously the extremely (laughs) changing into your 90s in the living room moment that's like I love this choice honestly like if you're gonna put the hat on the hat you might as well not even have them in a bedroom put them in the living room getting naked and changing into their underwear and like the killer is fantastic coach Jaina uh, Jaina Jana is awesome. Like, this is not a final girl movie. There are multiple final girls in this movie, and that is not something we saw routinely at the time. Like, yeah. this movie is still doing a fair amount that is subversive in the genre for the time, even as it was bastardized into what it ultimately ended up being that was not the intent yeah. of Rita Baybrook. And I think the giant power drill should have become, like, an iconic yeah. horror symbol, like the chainsaw. Like, come yes. on, guys. It's a it's a giant power drill. It spins, so you've got the spin emotion. It, you get to, like, stab and, like, do, like, a whole, like... This movie, there's st- people are stabbed, drilled, yes. sliced. Yes. Like, yes. You know what? abrasioned by abrasioned. this thing. You can do it all with this drill. Taylor, do you know what's so much worse than... Is wee! Like, that's so much scarier. That's why people hate the dentist. Yes, he's just a... He's just You're somebody who's about to start a slumber party massacre. That dentist. Well, this is it's it's important to note too that like this like that when the killer when there's like the he finally vocalizes at the end and he's being like, "Why are you doing this? We didn't do anything to you. Why? Why? Why?" And he's he just looks at her and he's like, "I love you. I love <laughs> you. Like, do you know?" how much you have to love a person to do this to them. Like this is incel horror (laughs) before we talked about fucking incel horror. Like the way that this, the way that this set up a very specific kind of obsessive, scary villainous man stalking, menacing, abusing women is actually still as like, I watch that now and I'm like, this guy and the way he's talking and the things he's saying are as scary as if you put this in a movie right now. Like, it carries over. It it holds up. Do you think that's why it was uh, maligned when it came out? Is it made dudes who liked horror go, oh, but what? No. I treat women fine. What? <laughs> <laughs> but it might work for women, us. I treat women fine. I think. I, I, and I don't know if it's a thing of, like, I, I'm very curious about the idea of, like, where's the line between the sort of maybe subconscious derision of something like that and the, the, the conscious lack of recognition mm-hmm. of what's going on there at all in a, you know, in a time when, you know, you're you're having to read, like, David J. Skull to be reading in between the lines of horror and it's still just the lowest genre of them all unless it rises to the level of something like what a Ridley Scott can make or a, or a John Carpenter can make. But it, so it's, yeah, I, I do wonder about that. Like, what did the 1982 audience really think of that guy? And Taylor, let me ask you this, like, do the jokes work? Can you tell what was a initially intended joke in this parody movie? Is there it, anything left? Yeah, it, it's been a little bit since I actually watched it, so I, I can't think of 
the jokes off the top of my head, but my enduring memory of it was this is a this is a fun funny movie. Like they do least like if if you're meeting the movie on its level, then it is it is insanely funny. Like they they left a lot of that stuff in. It's just they moved away from like it's not it's not a it's not scary movie three. It's you know. (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 closer to a scream and like putting a hat on a hat have you guys and we were and like we didn't really have a ton of language around meta horror at the time either so yeah return to horror high hadn't come out yet so we didn't know <laughs> we didn't know how to like talk about it and everyone knows that uh there's a taylor before return to horror high came out and a taylor after return to horror high came out my it's it, it is to him what jennifer's body is to me yeah. clearly do you guys notice this just in general though with movies that this whole taking it at its level, in a lot of ways, we are getting better. Like, Jordan, you're a, a notorious bassist, as I call you. And that's mm. that's a Bay racist, not like you play the bass. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like that if 15 years ago Ambulance came out, everybody would have been like, well, it's not good at all. But The amount of anger I have had about this exact conversation is, a friend of mine was like, Oh, what? So, like, people aren't allowed to Mike Michael Bay now? I was like, no, I'm not a... I listened to them before they were cool fucking person. (laughs) I'm saying that this movie isn't different than whatever else he's made. (laughs) It is just now de rigueur to be like, oh, it's not Marvel? It's the answer to Blockbuster. It's like, well, you didn't go to the theater and fucking support it, so I don't want to hear it from you. (laughs) I have had to apologize for and rationalize my enjoyment of Michael Bay movies for far too fucking long. For anybody to tell me that this is not a recent uptick and like, oh man, like Michael Bay, like kind of go. It's like this was not wildly above six underground, you dicks. I hate so like. I hate that. Uh, tell me why. I hate this Jordan's, is Jordan's mouse hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that Jordan's uh, mic is tethered, uh, or it's like stationary because she should have it in her hand and deaf comedy jamming around yeah. the room when she talks about <laughs> ambulance. <laughs> I, I but I do think that like it is. Uh, would you say de rigueur, the soup of the day? It is yes. now officially more okay to like movies on their own level in a way that it wasn't before. And that's why Halloween yes. 3 is the seventh seed in this fucking yeah. bracket. Completely agree, yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think also, it's deservedly I do, placed. I do recognize that Michael Bay loves racist caricature and have, there are a lot of problems with this man's fucking filmography. And that is absolutely a conversation that people should have while also accepting that he is one of the most incredible spectacle filmmakers that's ever existed. All right. Uh, we're going to do one more and then we're going to take a break. Here is the tagline. The tenant in room seven is very small, very twisted, and very <laughs> mad. Stuart Little? Is this Mouse Hunt? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's this. Mm-hmm. Fucking Taylor, not every movie has to star a mouse. <laughs> I, just, I just, it's a, I got Mouse on the Brain. <laughs> this is, okay, so this is my pick. This is my uh, outside pick for the one that I want the oh, most. Oh, okay, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's Frank Henenlotter's Basket Case. Basket oh. Case. I have. What a, what a small wonder this movie is. Uh, this this is one that I can say I have not seen and know only only I know the general plot idea of Basket Case, um, but mm-hmm. not enough to not confuse it with Stuart Little. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what is the the general plot of Basket Case? Uh, a pair of conjoined twins yes. are separated um, when they are they are teenagers. Uh, it was considered a too risky procedure, I think medically to have attempted to complete when they were babies. Um, but the thing about these conjoined twins is that one of them is a fully developed, uh, 
you know, child, as you would recognize him walking down the street. The other is mostly a mass that grows out of the side of the child. Um, it's the original but arms. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a Gabriel with arms and a face that mm-hmm. takes a sort of like blob shape. And after the excision occurs, somehow uh, the the mass twin lives and the uh, fully developed twin resolves to like keep and carry him around for their lives and in a basket. And we meet him when he moves to the big city and sets yes. up in a single room occupancy in a uh, shitty hotel in New York. And it turns out the uh, tumor twin has a thirst for blood and is extremely jealous of his brother's time and how he spends it. Oh, and they are also on a mission to avenge the doctors that cut him from the side of his brother because their plan was to just, they put him in the trash. They were like, we're going to kill this tumor. We're killing this kid. And so they rescued him. And now they're like, now we're going to kill the doctors that tried to kill you. So what what Babe needed two movies for. about this. Oh, the crazy sex files of all time where the fucking family keeps their Home. mom under the bed and Home. has sex with her. Uh, so what ba- What the Babe series needed two movies to do, this movie yeah. does in one. Uh, the reason I'm pumped for this movie is because when we did the 85 bonus series, my favorite movie by far was Reanimator. And this sort of gives me those vibes. This is like this would play in a really this would play in a really sensical double with Frankenhooker. Like it's that kind of style of horror movie. And I while it might while it would not be my favorite of the 82 offerings, I think what it what could put it uh, in an a bracket ascension if it did would be that it's so deeply 80s. It is so specifically like this moment in time, the way horror was made, the sensibility that horror could have, the audacity of it, the the ways in which the acting is shitty, like the way it's like just get people to do this, okay? Like <laughs> and the the truly soul-quaking scream that the basket twin emits. He can't talk. He can he speaks telepathically to his brother. Sure. And the only sounds he makes are like grumbles and full man screams like this this thing screams like the bear demon in annihilation oh no it's my favorite noise that but a slightly more human the bear scream it is and it is there will be just it feels like endless minutes long (laughs) in scenes where he's just "Ah, ah," like will not stop while he is mauling a person to death and they are screaming with him well now so I'm gonna make sure we do it because we need a new drop for the drop mix. <laughs> the other the reason I want to see this movie too is because it's my favorite way of not just writing horror movies but any movie of two people sitting around and like somebody says, uh, "Basket case that could be a title," and the other one like, "I got it, head in a basket, let's do it." And it is it is everybody. You know what, Frank. I'm looking up Head and Lauder now. He directed Frankenhooker, which is exactly Word. why yeah, yeah. this movie feels like Frankenhooker. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. Um, God, other other credits include from this mad Basket Case 3, Bad Biology, Brain Damage. Okay, he did know, do Brain Damage. As you were, he did do as brain you were explaining the plot, I was like, this sounds a lot like Brain Damage. You know a Head and Lauder movie when you hear it. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, surely he didn't also do Brain Damage. Surely he couldn't have. Every 
everybody is giving so much their all in this movie. I really respect it. And I also really appreciate how, like, it seems like it's a bunch of creeps who live in this motel at first. And, like, it's a bunch of, like, you waiting for people to, like, scam him and be dirtbags. When actually, like, it's a bunch of weirdos, Island of Misfit toys situation where they all kind of take care of each other and look out for each other. It's actually Aww. really sweet in that way. It's, it's very surprising how, like, bonded that little community is together. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to move into a speed round because we have so many fucking horror movies left to do. All right, guys. There's, there's too many fucking horror movies here. So we're going to move into a different game. Uh, we're going to bracket it up. And you three are going to decide bracket. what. Yeah. Have you ever heard of those before? Unfamiliar. It's mostly for sports, but we use them for movies because we're super original. Um, I'm going to put two movies against each other. You guys are going to decide which one we're going to talk about this little uh duo is hilarious because of pets it's the 28th seed cat people versus the 29th seed white dog now white dog is directed by that's 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 cat people right white dog is directed by uh hollywood superstar uh veteran samuel fuller cat people is a remake of the classic horror movie anybody know anything about these two uh cat people go ahead yeah, I mean, the, the uh, it's it holds up better than you'd think it would for a a remake of Cat People, which is such a genteel 1939, 1940s horror film. Ancient um, doesn't yeah, exist. Ancient. And, <laughs> in, in a way, it's it's the original Jaws, probably because of budget. <laughs> but uh, they just refuse to show you these cat people turning into cat people. And it's so much fucking scarier because uh, this is the original one. I haven't seen this one. Mike, this one, just so you know, is uh, movie of the year favorite. Paul Schrader directing a horror movie. Oh, fuck yeah. We got it. How many... I, I fucking hate Paul Schrader. Love Paul Schrader. How many cat buttholes are in this movie? And is Skimble Shanks the railway cat in this? <laughs> oh, listen. If you're giving if, me that, that's all I care if, about. If, if Paul Schrader gave Taylor Skimble Shanks the railway cat, I bet they're. I bet that would turn its front. I don't like. I don't like Paul Schrader that much either. Taylor. I think he's. Yeah. Who gives a shit? The sentence. Paul, Paul Schrader, Schrader and pa- gave and Taylor Skimble Okay. Okay. Well, hold on. Let's. I only agree on one of those. <laughs> but yeah, I, Paul Schrader, whatever. He hasn't made a good movie in like 30 years, but it's fine. The one First thing Reformed is fine. First, re- First Reformed is a is movie that fine. is pretentious oh and is a philosophy 101 class. He accidentally walked backwards into saying something <laughs> that other philosophers have already said. It's, he has no nothing to say about it. It's not interesting. It's a bad movie. <laughs> Mike, you do have to remember that uh, Taylor and Jordan like movies. We like films. Yes. So. Oh. Um, the, the one thing that's I do why know about you're Ca- boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I do know about Cat People is it has that uh, David Bowie song that plays in Inglorious Bastards, and that's the, <laughs> that's the only thing I know about Cat People. Cat People is queer horror, and queer horror will always get the vote. Uh, that thing that Paula Tompkins has where. There's like you can't hear a certain amount of syllables in a row without s- putting it to a song. My only one is the theme from Goldfinger, so it's impossible for me not to say <laughs> okay. cat people. <laughs> which, which I have recently been telling people is not that different from Moon River. Yeah, oh yeah, that does well, sound like Moon yeah. River. They're, they're, yeah. If if you're singing them without the accompaniment, no one can tell mm-hmm. which one you're singing. No, that was very <laughs> what Ryan just did was very much Moon River. Yeah. All right, this one is so much better. These two movies I want to make the Elite Eight. These two movies deserve bonus episodes, Mike. The first one 
is cue the winged serpent. Before you talk, <gasps> the second one is the creator of the superhero craze that we are currently in, starring Adrian Barbeau. It's Swamp Thing. Fuck. Yeah. Cue the winged serpent. Cue the winged serpent. Are you calling for the winged yeah, serpent? Yeah, that's what I like about that. It's the Just best movie title. Cue the winged serpent. <laughs> Please cue, cue the winged up. serpent. It's a full cue sentence. Cue the winged serpent. And it's a name. <laughs> I have. I feel like this is a movie like the 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T that I've been hearing about since I was a kid and have just never found or figured right. out how to watch. For I think it might be on Shudder right now. But also, I've never taken the time to find it. But <laughs> right, is it, okay, got it. Is it good? Is it fun? It's so it's fun. It's absolutely fun. And and the the fact of the winged serpent is like in a bit. It's it's sort of similar with Basket Case too. It's actually like because most of the time when you're watching Basket Case, the the Basket Twin, it's 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 human puppet arms, and you're just like seeing from the point of view of him, and so you're seeing the arms move, and you're yes. seeing him manipulate things. But every once in a while, it pulls back, and it's like we've got to let the people see the whole part, <laughs> see the whole right. thing, and it becomes stop motion animation yes. of the Basket Twin. And you're like, oh, wow, they really animated this. And with Q the Winged Serpent, like, you really get that serpent in there. And so, yeah, I, I would go. I would go that. But, like, I get the Swamp Thing has a big place in the, in the history. Yeah. It, it's I, something else that can get canceled after one season. <laughs> after four, <laughs> one episode, excuse me. Uh, Q is a directed by a horror legend, Larry Cohen, uh, creator of The Stuff. It's Alive, another uh, fucking movie poster VHS box burned into my brain with that mm-hmm. little cradle with the monster yeah. hand coming out. <laughs> um, Swamp Thing. I, it's directed by Wes Craven, I am just being told by my <laughs> producers, so I did not know that. Wow. Well, hey, Wes Craven, Swamp Thing, thank you for showing up, but it's clearly Q the Winged Serpent. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got to go with that. I, feel I can't like turn my back. On. Now, uh, your 48th seed is Next of Kin, which I thought was a Patrick Swayze drama from the <laughs> 90s. Um, but this is different. It's going up against. And Jordan, we'll start with you. Well, whoever I asked, Jordan, you're just going to start anyway. But uh, it's Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. What the fuck is that? But you put some respect on the name of Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, which is also known as uh, Night Warning, I believe, is the alternate yes. title for that. So you, it's possible that you've heard of Night Warning, but Night no, Warning. Night don't warning. know Butcher Baker. Uh, Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Uh, first of all, Next of Kin is generally fine. I, I like it. I, I, I actually rewatched it coming into this. I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard this is a good little movie. It's got, it, it's got uh, Jarrett Jack in it who, if you watch newer horror movies, you might know from Wolf Creek, the really fucking scary outback murderer, uh, old guy, yeah. old old outback guy. Um, he also was, uh, he, he an icon of exploitation. Uh, worth your time, and also one of the most beautiful, like, t- like there's a scene where the, the lead woman is like, runs out of a room screaming, and it is done in slow motion, and the camera tracks away and above her in such oh. a way. It, it's an, it's one of actually maybe the best shots that's ever happened in all of horror, truly. Yeah. Um, but Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker is a subversive, queer, take you on a wild ride, creep up on you classic. Like, I, Sam Weinman told me to watch this movie. <laughs> And I texted him, like, a third of the way through, and I was like, the homophobia jumped out! And he was like, text me at the end of the movie. And I texted him at the end of the movie, I was like, is this the most activist gay horror movie (laughs) that was made up to the point of 1982? Like, it so 
it strings you along the entire time thinking you are watching something that is just a bunch, an amalgamation of stereotypes that are, are putting queer monsters in front of you again and it feels really tired. And then the way it maneuvers through the final act of the movie is like, this is an incredible fucking piece of commentary and are you telling me this is where we were the entire time in this film? And... And the crucial part of this is that it is anchored by the performance of Susan Tyrell. Like, cult B-movie queen. I first experienced Susan Tyrell as um, Ramona Ricketts in John Waters' Crybaby. And this woman knows no bounds to her madness on screen in such a way that, like, I think that's just who Susan Tyrell is. It is the story of a boy whose sweet boy, whose parents die horrifically in a car accident at the beginning of the movie. And he is taken in by his aunt, who develops a very strong affection for him as he is coming into his own sexual maturation. And we start to learn over the course of the movie uh, what what uh, Aunt Susan Tyrell would do to keep her her sweet nephew close to her. And it is, Butcher Baker is fucking outstanding. Can't say enough about it. Yeah. Susan Tyrell, um, for people who are actually into films instead of just movies, she played Midge Montana in Big Top Pee Wee. So (laughs) that'll probably connect it for everybody. What were you going to say? What were you going to say, Taylor, about this movie? I was say Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker, fucking rules. Um, it's it's dope as hell. It's it's the obvious choice. I will also say for next of kin, I, I haven't seen this one specifically, but every exploitation movie I've ever seen has made me go partway through. Holy shit! Is this is this is this great? It, right? Yeah, that is the acute, uh, accurate response to exploitation. Yeah, it's always a movie you've never fucking heard of, and you walk out going. That's the best movie I've seen in like three years. Yeah, you're like, do does anybody else in the world watch this shit? Yeah. Because there's a lot of great stuff going on down there. Yeah, I don't understand how, how anybody titles a movie like that and then also has night warning. Is that what you said? Yeah, Just night warning. Yeah, basic ass title instead of butcher baker nightmare, nightmare maker. maker. Mm-hmm. What the hell? That is a perfect title. It's, guess- it's a wonderful film. It's it is. It, I I've rarely been so surprised by a movie and been slapped in the face for my own assumptions about it. Mike, before we get to the final battle, um, I want to get you, what you think based on Taylor and Jordan, uh, how these are going to do it. Like, let's start with Halloween three. Does that have a shot of making it based on what they talked about? I think so. We have to get past the Greg. I'd say it has a shot at a bonus episode. It has to get past the Greg. Yeah. Uh, Greg, Greg's a, a strong defender <laughs> on the horror movies. I think, <laughs> If I'm being honest, that like uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, I don't know if that stands a chance. No, uh, that's creep, no. creep show, the anthology thing that Taylor brought up about like how are we going to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, Slumber Party Massacre, though, Mike. Yeah, I know how to argue, and Greg won't listen to this because it's too spooky. Uh, <laughs> anytime we just say like queer horror or yeah or meta, he'll be like, oh, I guess I can't say no to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's allyship. That's allyship. It was a really good Greg also. It was. <laughs> uh, basket case. I'm super pumped about. Yeah, How, where are you at? Phenomenal. When it cuts away from the basket twin, which I don't I don't think twins should call each other the good and evil anymore. They should say the normal and the basket. The basket twin, <laughs> That's yeah. uh, uh, and it's uh, stop motion animation. I think that one's in. Uh, that scream, people- you guys. I wow. <laughs> Uh, the Paul Schrader of cat people. I do. Like, yeah. We're, we're just fans. We're, we're I don't Schrader know what to suckers. Uh, no. <laughs> the fucking gambler. We have our own Give name. me a break. 
All right. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the card counter. And From whatever. It has its issues. But oh, yeah. That one nobody talked about. Yeah. Uh, Q the Winged Serpent, I think, has a chance. Swamp yeah. Thing is probably out. Next of Kin is probably out. Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. In. Uh, in I think it's baby. in. I think you would be well advised to keep it in. The final matchup is Alone in the Dark. When the lights go out, the terror begins. Sure. So I think that tells you everything you need to know. Versus Amityville 2, and it's not just Amityville 2. We do have The Possession. So it's not that it's about time, but at least we have some sort of subtitle to go along with it. Does anybody know anything about these two movies? Amityville 2 is the is the incest Amityville. Yes, I was about to say. <laughs> in, it's in, Amity, it's Amityville in. 2 is the incest one, right? Yeah. It turns out that Amityville might actually... I would have never thought this prior to like this current stage of my life amityville might be the best of the super french the super horror well chucky's the best chucky's i think objectively critically like evolutionarily the best but like of the i i think actually the the one that has the most returns on your investment in terms of fun is the amityville franchise about time this one, uh, the incest one, real hot Ryan Reynolds in the remake, oh, the right. original. Him as a murderer is super sexy. J- just, a lot just of Deadpool cra- fans don't remember. a bunch of wood. Just so much, so <laughs> yeah. much wood he was chopping. Yeah, I he's mean, chopping some wood. you don't get wood. that torso by not chopping wood 20 hours a day. With, a the, of- with those pajama pants hanging on for their dear <laughs> lives. <laughs> Um, no, this is, this is the incest one. Yeah. And it is so, like, it's so weird. It's what, okay, so a thing that old, old movie, like, classic old black and white movies love is, are they siblings or are they lovers? Like, that is very popular because women couldn't be independent. So, like, if you weren't under the care of your parents and you had a brother, well, your brother should probably go to take care of you. Like, I think it's, like, the uninvited I remember the first time I watched that, they show up in like this the seaside, the cliffside seaside home where they're gonna live together. And I was like, oh, that's husband and wife. And then a couple minutes in the movie, it's like, oh, that is her brother. Never mind. Okay. And then in this one, so this starts playing, and I'm like, oh, is that wait? Why does that daughter's boyfriend live with this family? Is he like an orphan? Like his bad mm-hmm. home situation? And then it's like, no, this is but one family. This is but one family, and they're just making eyes at each other. And then when it finally culminates, you're like, the way it happens is like you guys you like to the girl it's like you know what's going on what he's like he's possessed at this point so obviously he's filled with a demon but he's like take off your clothes and she's like okay you okay i'll show you it's like this like we're gonna sibling one up each other yeah fine and just like shucks her night dress on the bed and it's like that's not a dare that's not a one-upping what are you doing no truth all there I watch a lot of short films that it sound like <laughs> oh things to this, so I kind of want to watch it. <laughs> you, yeah, I, I was. I want to yeah. comparing but. it to the most of the movies that I watch. Does the sister is the sister doing laundry and does she get stuck <laughs> in the washer or dryer at any point? Unfortunately, no. But mom does definitely glean by context cues that something's amiss with her kids. <laughs> and um, but on the other side of the equation, like I think. Amityville 2 is definitely the sensation factor. Um, Alone in the Dark is actually really good. Like, it starts out, you're like, what in the One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest knockoff is this? And then 
and you have you have escaped like asylum patients played by Martin Landau and Jack Palance. And oh, shit. They're really these are a really cat, two Academy Award winners. Really yeah. fucking good actors. And you have um Donald Pleasance as the very woo-woo, like head of the ward, um, their their doctor. And they decide, like, a new doctor joins the ward, and these three main patients, two of which are Landau and uh, Palance, decide that the, the doctor they really liked, he's gone because this new doctor killed him. This new doctor killed him, so they have no choice but to kill the guy who killed their favorite doctor. And there is a mass blackout one night, and... It, the the security systems go down the patients get out and it turns basically into straw dogs and it's actually it's really well done the tension is great i the little the daughter in this movie is so fucking funny like there's one part where she's like god like at some point she's like god i don't want like i hope nothing like this ever happens she makes like some wry comment and the dad's like this is no time for joking she she's probably nine she goes who's joking I was like, give this girl a cigarette and a glass of brown liquor. She's ready to hold it down at the end of the bar. And, like, it, it just spooky, like, intense, violent. Um, because this is 1982, one of the the other, the third convict that gets out with the with the two more famous guys, um, his crime that he was in prison for is he's a serial child rapist. So, like, the ways in which this movie creates menace with the a bit more, like, frighteningly antiquated ways that we depicted villain villainry on screen at the time like you you fear at every moment like what's gonna happen what's gonna happen to the little girl in a way that like you're kind of pretty sure it's not gonna happen now in a movie but in 1982 you're like there's no laws here there's no there's nothing stopping any <laughs> bad thing from happening here this this is reagan's films this is reagan's this is reagan's genre Any, anything can happen i might <laughs> Producer Dave is uh, giving me a memo right now, and it says that Alone in the Dark was directed by Jack Shoulder, the director of A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge, the queer horror for straight people. Oh, my God. <laughs> for real? Yeah. That is so, a shocker. This movie is so much better than Nightmare 2. Wow. Okay, yeah, so, so I don't know, guys. That one or um, the, the incest Amityville. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it offers different things i have such a hard time considering them against one another i they, they're so different it's such a different night at the movies wow okay so mike over yes. under let's say 64 movies uh are in the first round okay over under uh what is the over under for amount of these movies that we talked about tonight that at least make it to the second round we three. talked about 14 movies three i'm taking the over dude out of everything we talked about tonight I think there's there's two that are shoe ins. <laughs> and I, then I would yeah, I would tell I think there are two that are shoe ins. And for me those two are Slumber Party Massacre and Butcher Baker. And <laughs> everything else left a chance. Okay, Taylor, let's do that then. What uh what were what would be the two or three that like you really want to put your name on? I, I mean, of the ones that we've talked about in this one, I would say honestly Halloween three, I, I think is great. I support you. Also, Slumber Party Massacre. Um, and even though I haven't seen it, I've seen Brain Damage. So I know <laughs> I know how I feel about that movie enough to be like, I think Basket Case is worth it. 
Uh, I think if, because, yeah, if you know how you feel about brain damage, yeah, you you know what you're going, I, you know what you're getting into with basket case. Yeah, I previously had a a shirt that was a brain damage like graphic tee that was <laughs> many sizes too large for me, and I no longer have it. I think it got lost in a move, but it, it like it's just the little fucking worm from brain damage because it's so fucking weird. And I think this direct <laughs> like just even hearing the description of it, I was like, this sounds like brain damage, like. It yeah, sounds like the and, type and again, of movie that Franken Hooker. So yeah. if you like, who would make a movie like Frankenhooker? This guy. He, he's got he's got an alleyway and a voice that is so much fun. I think that you can't go wrong with Basket Case. <laughs> That's you're not wrong. You're not the, again. I I will speak to it for certainly for it like the way that it encapsulates a certain kind of moment in time and the possibility of 1982. There's a lot of merits there. We uh we put together a list of 236 movies for 1982 to enter into the bracket. Uh. 45 or almost 50 were horror. So we're talking about 20% of nice. the movies that were on this list. Congratulations, horror. Congratulations, Damn. horror. I love Congratulations, that. Congratulations, horror. <laughs> I, I definitely think that we have a lot more information than we did oh, going yeah. into uh, the, bra- the opening bracket. Taylor, thank you yeah. so much for being here. Where can people find you? Oh, I'm I'm on um I guess I'm on Twitter, but not as much um, recently. I'm at Team Money Bagels pretty much everywhere. I'm doing root beer reviews mostly. So if you know of any good root beers that I haven't tried, you let me know. Um, <laughs> you let me know. Yeah, that's that's Have you pretty done, much like, it. Barks. Yeah, obviously a- I've done Barks. A and W. Uh, A and W was the first one I did. You would know that if you were a real fan. So you know. Do you know what it stands for? Um, always and wet. That is correct. Jordan, thank you as well. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U. And you can find me, as you should know from this podcast already, on the Botcast with my fan-fucking-tastic co-host, Margot Carlson, who also did our theme song. So go listen to all of that. And it's so, like... I had heard before the show came out that she did the theme song and then forgot and then listened to the opening episode. And <laughs> it's so like, clearly wait, what the fuck? It's so clearly Margot. Like it's like, oh fuck, she's singing right now. It's so clearly Margot, but also could be the weepies is the thing. <laughs> yeah. So I was yeah, no, it's a I, I know how to make a I know how to make a good podcast, and I have good friends who are right there with me, uh serving material par excellence. Mike, do you want to talk about where people can find you? Yeah, you can find me over at the Superhero Show Show. If you're like, uh, movies and films, I hate them all. Give me live action television based on comic books. There's a podcast for you, freak. It's called the <laughs> Superhero Show Show, and it's delightful. Thank you guys all so much. Uh, I'm so excited for, I'm more excited for this 82 bracket. Um, so please tune in next week where all 64 movies, including fucking, what's it called? Blade. Uh, yeah, Blade Runner is a Blade, Blade with no. Wesley Snipes. Blade Runner 2 Trinity is in the bracket. All 64 movies will fight it out, including all 14 of these horror movies. For Mike, for Jordan, for Taylor, I am Ryan. And remember, keep watching those movies.